Hi, welcome to the Uncooked Rice Show. This is Season 2, Episode 9. Today, my guest of honor is Calvin Chan. Calvin, do you want to give us a quick introduction about yourself? Yeah, sure, Jesse. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, first of all. Um, it was really nice uh, meeting you and speaking with you on, on my podcast as well. So um, a little bit about myself. Uh, I am a mechanical engineer in training. Uh, that's EIT in, in Canada. And... Um, some of the most defining years that I had uh, when I was younger uh, was through the Air Cadets program. Uh, for seven years, um, I was in that program, and it's sort of like this uh, youth uh, military program where you learn about um, different things like leadership, um, military discipline. Um, some people do music, there's rifle, um, there's aviation, and um, there was a lot of uh, transformative years there and a lot of great people that I've met uh, over the years. And that's where I fell in love with aviation. I, I became a pilot there, earned my uh, private pilot's license. And while I was flying, I was curious about, um, you know, how the plane works, how the engine works and everything. So I decided to study engineering, uh, specifically mechanical engineering. And uh, that's why I applied to University of British Columbia here in Vancouver, and uh, I've just recently graduated. So it's a really exciting journey for me because um, I'm not really someone who set uh, long-term goals to start, um, but it, I'm just sort of I just sort of go go with the flow, right? Um, wherever my interests at the time take me, um, I prefer to go that way. I think that's a really great attitude to have, and we jump sort of right into. The topics that we're going to talk about today, which are, of course, right. um, your upbringing, your education, your experience, but also specifically about engineering. And as you mentioned in your introduction to your podcast, uh, which I was mm -hmm. fortunate enough to have been invited on by you uh, a few months ago. Right. So I think the most let's start off with the podcast, I think. Um, so your podcast mm -hmm. is called The Novice Experience, right? Um, yes. Could you briefly explain the name? the novice experience because i'm sure it's something that you do quite often explain to it but it, it has something of a of an of an interesting meaning i find yeah I, I use the word novice because it's truly a podcast for noobs and by noobs including myself uh, a little bit of a backstory over covid um, it, it felt really lonely at the time during the initial shutdown because i've always been someone who enjoyed talking with people. So I'm not someone who partied a lot, but I always enjoyed um, sitting down for a coffee or a lunch with a friend or a new connection and just having meaningful conversations about life, about work or school, whatever. Um, and over COVID, it was tough to have that conversation. And I, w I w was itching to start a new project that challenges myself. And I've never really been in content creation, but I've been interested in it. And I decided to sort of um, put all of that together and created a podcast called The Novice Experience. And it's really a podcast for uh, students and young people about life, education, and career. Um, you know, I've talked to people who started their own nonprofit, who just became a high school teacher, um, who is a woman in aviation, who's a pilot, um, people who have, uh, who are entrepreneurs and started their own companies all sorts of people and uh, really some are my old friends that I've been able to reconnect with. And the goal of this podcast is to talk about all the different opportunities and challenges that may come up along a young person's journey 
and to really capture the moment of what it's like to go through those ups and downs. Uh, I haven't really interviewed anyone who's, you know, a seasoned professional in a particular field, you know, people who have worked for 30 years uh, and an expert in a particular field. It's, it's people that are brand new and who can speak to that really recent journey that they went through and hopefully inspires the younger generation. Um, so yeah, that's why I called it the novice experience. Uh, we concluded uh, season one after 26 weeks uh, and 26 episodes, and I'm gearing up for season two now with brand new guests. And uh, we're going to go um, deep dive into more personal topics such as you know mental health or even like personal finance. Um, season one's more focused on uh, more career and education. So I'm excited to sort of go step out of my comfort zone as well. Um, it's been truly a challenge for me to sort of keep creating content, right? And meeting new people. And of course, dealing with the technical side of uh, producing a podcast. So it's been, it's been amazing so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess I had to ask, like, how many, I guess, uh, episodes have you recorded so far for season two? Uh, I've recorded about, I think, less than 10, just under 10. So uh, just under halfway of where I want to go for season two. Um, and the reason why I took a break actually was that I I wanted to meet new people. It, it's sort of a special journey for me as well. And I, I really wanted to establish a genuine connection uh, for recording the podcast, just as if I were to, you know, go to a coffee chat with somebody, um, I don't want to just record a show, a podcast and uh, leave it there. So um, I, I decided to, you know, end it off at season one and take the time to really um, delve into the relationship part um, before recording season two. I think we've talked about this briefly off the show, but um, you've sort of expressed a, a more genuine interest in trying to build that relationship up before actually inviting them onto the show, right? Because yeah, uh, if sure. I understand correctly from what you explained to me, you find that having that sort of established relationship sort of brings out a more genuine conversation during the episode, right? Yes. Yeah. It goes back to why I wanted to do the show, right? For that meaningful connection and that those meaningful conversations. So for sure. Perfect. Um, and then so the other questions I had, I would love to ask you is because as most of our listeners here can probably figure out, I, I love talking to people with their own podcasts uh, for a few reasons. Uh, mainly, you know, I, I enjoy being able to talk to somebody who can sort of relate to my experience, as well as I find that people who go out of their way to do content creation, specifically podcasts, I find, uh, are those who sort of didn't grow up with the idea of like being the center of attention, but having an expression of interest to go out and actually meet people, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think for me, podcast was a safe space and comfortable space for me to get into that area where I didn't feel like I had to like broadcast my face, but I was able to sort of speak up and share my own voice, even though I felt like it wasn't something worth sharing. Like, would you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yeah. I, you know, a lot of people like Instagram or YouTube for content creation, and there's an element of professionalism to those. I feel like, you know, perhaps you're a photographer or a videographer, you're creating vlogs. Uh, and I've never really had those skills. I, I wouldn't even say I had interest in photography, but I've always had interest in talking and uh, telling stories or listening to stories even. And so I feel like, like you said, the podcast was a really nice and safe space for having those private uh, conversations with with people that I want to talk to and that I want to meet. 
and um, it's a vehicle for storytelling as well. So it's no less than if you were on YouTube or Instagram. I think the biggest question that I want to ask about this whole topic of having your own podcast is what are the sort of the biggest lessons you've learned or the more meaningful ones that you were surprised that you learned from having your own podcast? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I was a natural talker or you know an extrovert i i would say that i actually prefer being an introvert i like recharging um, you know my energy on my own I, I get really tired from constantly talking to people like at school or at work um but i've i've always been enjoying these conversations yet uh, being anxious about what i s- sound like or if you know how people judge me when they listen to me and i feel like I've gained a lot of confidence mainly because of the positive feedback and support that I've I've gotten from, you know, the guests or um, some of my friends and and supporters and families. Um, And I feel like sometimes we are too harsh on ourselves. We we judge ourselves too hard and we let that fear and self-doubt really be in the way of stepping out of our comfort zones. I think a lot of us would be really surprised at what we can achieve if we took that risk, we took that first step, um, you know, actually we wanted to start a YouTube channel first. And um, I was going to talk about finance, um, which is a really interesting topic um, to explore at the time. And I actually created, you know, my my first, I was going to do with a PowerPoint slide deck as well and with my face recording. And I, I got everything set up with cool animations and all of that. And I actually didn't record myself. Uh, I actually had a roadblock there and I didn't, start that youtube project and then um you know a couple months later on i got i had this podcast idea and then i really pushed myself to to start it i didn't tell anyone about it because i feel like i sometimes we like to we like to hype up ourselves by telling other people that hey i'm gonna do this project hey i'm gonna do this project and then we we hit a roadblock and then we don't do it so i didn't tell anybody and i just told myself i'm gonna record like the first three episodes and see where it goes and it was a really fun journey. Like I, I'm really still a novice in the space in being a host and being a content creator, but I'm glad I did it. And that's the most important part. It, I've gained a lot of confidence in producing these uh, podcasts and, and talking to people, building that relationship part. And, and that's what I truly, truly love. And it's what it inspires me. So I'm really, really glad um, I took that first step. And so I hope that I hope that all of you who are listening um, can relate to that, can think of something that stopped you. Um, sorry, can you can think of something that uh, you didn't do because of that fear and self-doubt. So uh, hopefully you can take that risk and take that first step even just so you can get the first taste of what it's like to step out of a comfort zone and perhaps it'll surprise you. And we've talked a bit about this off camera too. It's like the, I think both of us had had a fear and avoidance of like new things that we were unfamiliar with, right. When it comes to content creation, uh, mm-hmm. I have the same thought about you. It's like, I, I originally wanted to get into the video field when I was doing my podcast early on, but it sort of, I hit mm-hmm. the same roadblock. I was sort of, uh, had this fear because I wasn't sure of how to approach it in a way that would best suit my, um, I guess my expectations. So for mm-hmm. me, it was more so about a fear of failure or fear of not hitting that perfection that I expected from myself, right? That high standard. And so with that mm-hmm. fear, I sort of avoided making or heading towards a new area that 
I feel like I could have uh, excelled at in a way. Yeah. Uh, and I was wondering for you, Calvin, um, do you have any tips for to help you know convince people to try to take that step into a new field that they might not be comfortable with? Mm-hmm. Um, any specific tips? That's a hard question. It's more of a mindset for me personally. I feel like we all grew up um, maybe going through the school system following rules you know as a kid we were taught that you know there were house rules or when you went through school there were school rules and then there was a curriculum for what you were learning and this is specifically how you're going to write a particular test um but after graduating I really realized that there are no rules in the world right no, for making money or exploring your interests or starting whatever project that you want to do there are no rules um some might be detrimental to your plans but there, there, at the end of the day, there's no, there's, there's no box there to, to limit you. And so I feel like the mindset should be um, that you shouldn't feel like um, there's a right or wrong, whether you pursue something. Uh, and I, you get to a point where you let fear and self-doubt stop you from doing so many things that you start to, you start to ironically fear that um, you will regret on not doing these instead of that fear of failing or being judged or whatever you were initially scared about. And so, you know, for me personally, like I, I got to a point where I was really tired of, of not doing anything during the COVID shutdown. I, and I thought, Oh, what the hell, you know, who, who would listen anyway? Why don't just, I explore my passion. So um, I wouldn't say it's a tip, but definitely a mindset that you should think about. And I think it's helpful to sort of analyze like whoever is successful in your mind, like success is really defined uh, differently in everyone's heads um, but you know find this people who inspire you the celebrities or the or or you know really successful business people and think about what are some of the most common traits that they have and I feel like um, some of the most successful people in the world weren't scared of being judged or weren't scared scared of failing um, and that's that's when they took that first step and and really engaged in in you know their target audience so um, definitely think about that. Think about people who inspire you and uh, try to go their paths. Right. I think that was a good segue to a good answer and a good segue into the next few topics that we plan on talking about was um, basically your education and your work uh, career as an engineer, right? So I think mm -hmm. the biggest question, because a lot of students listen to the podcast, a lot of young people, which is what the podcast is directed towards, right? That's the target audience. And a lot of them, yeah. especially my friends, are going into engineering and even those who are sort of in high school still thinking about going to engineering or thinking about other career paths, they all have this conception mm -hmm. that engineering is like seven courses in one semester or mm -hmm. that it's a really tough job that takes your social life away or that even in after you graduate, you know, it's going to be a tough mm -hmm. life, a really, you know, like just hours and hours of working. I was wondering for you, Calvin, like going into your going into that university, like learning about engineering and sort of graduating after like thinking back, was there ever any times where you had a fear or some sort of, um, I guess, want of avoidance during your uh, university career where you wanted to think or thought that um, this might not be the path I want to take? Like, was there any other considerations or confusions where you had? Mm -hmm. Good question. I was a really diligent student in high school. You know, I got really good marks and um, that helped me go into the programs that I applied to. Um, 
I was actually more scared of not being able to keep up with my grades um, and the workload more than my concern for whatever I applied to. Um, I knew that I liked to go into engineering at the time um, because I was in Air Cadets and I was a pilot already. And um, I actually, like for me, I actually wanted to study business first when I was early on in high school. But I thought that, you know, since I have this passion for um, mechanical systems, I would go into engineering first, get that technical skills, and then business can be learned on the fly. You know, you could get a degree, but you could also, you know, be an entrepreneur. You can learn things online. You just need, or you can learn from your network. So I think it's easier to learn the the business aspects or the basics at least than engineering. And so I knew it would, it was something that I wanted to go into. Um, but yeah, I was, I was afraid of the workload and the marks and lo and behold, I was right. I was struggling a lot in, in uh, people's perception of engineering is correct. You know, I have seven courses in the lab. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's eight courses even. Um, and, um, you know, your hours are eight in the morning to six or seven at night. And then maybe you're going to the computer lab to study with your friends and you're, you leave campus at 10 or 11. Um, so it, there, there are long days in engineering and I've, I personally wasn't like scared or too hard on myself, even though my marks weren't as good as when I was in high school, um, because I've always been inspired by a quote that my dad said to me. And he, he would always say like, if, if it was easy, whatever you were doing, um, everyone else would have done it, you know? And I feel like that's, there's something special to that quote because it, 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 it tells you that the path that you're taking and the goal that you're trying to achieve is special to you, right? Um, if, if it was easy for you, then someone else would have taken the same path. Right. So whatever, whatever journey that you're taking and you decide it for yourself, um, it, it's up to you to carve it out. And there's no worry that, um, you know, it's too difficult or it's too, um, hard to achieve it's just that you have to adapt along the way and conquer whatever's whatever challenges there are and it doesn't say you know stick to it until the end if you if you fail engineering if you don't like it then you have to adapt right you have to think about what you're truly meant for and that's what that quote means right it doesn't mean that you're gonna force yourself um in like force yourself in down that path if it's not for you but it means to really explore um your journey and think about what your possibilities are and do what's meant for you. And so for me, uh, going through engineering, even though it was tough and sometimes demoralizing, um, and there were nights where, you know, there are tears, um, you know, scared of failing a course, did really bad on a final exam. Um, but with the support of family and friends and with a mental fortitude that's built, um, you know, along the way, um, it turned out fine and everyone is in the same boat too, right? You got to remember it's tough for everybody as well. So um, you just got to keep up with the work and do your best, right? The quote that your dad used as well as your sort of perspective on education and life and career is very similar to mine. It's like for me, you know, I've always been very um, headstrong about the idea that, you know, life as a high school student, especially as a university student too, it's it's very open. Like it's only the first 20 years of your life. Like there's so many more years ahead of you, right? And mm -hmm. with that time comes a lot of new opportunities, a lot of different opportunities and a lot of second and third and fourth chances. 
Um, and that mm. might come from a place of privilege too. But for me, it's always been like, even though it's similar to the quote for me, I find that like, even though one door may close, a few more open up, right? For yeah. me, like education was never about finding one thing that I'm good at or like adequate at and then having to stick with that for the rest of my life. You know, mm-hmm. pursuing a university degree was always about finding one thing that I might like, but also exploring, be able to step on other platforms and explore other interests that I might also enjoy in the future as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good things that, um, there are a lot of good things for, of being a student, you know, um, you can tell people that you're a complete noob in something and to give the, give you a chance and, and you, you, you probably get that position more so than if someone was, you know, five years in, in a particular field and, and they want to switch careers. So there's something beautiful about being a student and just being curious and innocent, um, in, in that journey. Yeah. Yeah. And so as a student too, like, uh, mm-hmm. I remember you telling me that you were in your co-op program, right. And you had internship experience too. Um, yeah. I think, do you find that having those co-op opportunities or that internship experience, like, did you find that that was a good starting stepping stone for you? Like, would you have preferred yeah. having more of those opportunities or would you rather have just been thrown into the workforce right away? Uh, so to, to understand your question, so you're saying to, um, have that blend of education and work experience, is that better than just uh, going to work right away? Yeah, in the sense like... Basically, I guess the first question would be to ask, like, do you think that there's a difference between co-op experience as well or uh, like an actual job after graduation? Like, do you think it's easier for students to be in a co-op position first? So, yeah, there's a lot of beauty in being a student. Um, Expectations are much lower, right? Um, You're there to learn. They hired you to learn, whereas a new grad, um, you're there to learn as well. But there are deliverables that you have to you have to come up with um, every year. So. Um, yeah, definitely like do co-op. I, I feel like it was a really, really nice w- window to the open world uh, working in between my work terms because uh, work is so different from school. I think everybody can attest to that. And um, it really helps you put into perspective um, is what you're learning really important? Uh, and so that's a funny question because yes, you're, what you're learning is, is important, but um, what are the most important skills that are required in the workplace that makes you competitive on a resume. And that might not be the technical skills you're learning, right? So you need that perspective um, from co-op and then you bring that back to the classroom. And so, yeah, definitely co-op is is a really important experience. How many co-op, uh, I guess, terms did you take? Um, I had to do five terms. I think it was five terms. Yeah, and uh, I did it with three companies. Okay, so... Okay, so you had a few, I guess, uh, returns, right? For like return, you returned to a few of the same companies over your five work. No, oh. I, it was a th- it was three separate companies. Oh, okay, all right. Over uh, and then I did multiple terms with some. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So I'm in my first co-op right now, and it's been a blast. Mm-hmm. And I, I get what you're saying. Like they hired a co-op student, they sort of treat you more so as such. I was wondering for you, like. W- when would you say, like, how many work terms did it take for you to actually start realizing that um, you started learning what your creative or your advantage was? It was the third term. So it was sort of in the middle. It was my second company. Let's just say it was my second job. And it wasn't, it didn't come from me personally, I don't think. 
um, sort of that blossoming moment that what you're trying to get at, right? It didn't come from me. It came from um, my supervisors and and other managers and different other teams. Um, they always dragged me to do um, different projects. And yeah, it gets busy, but you get exposure to different things that they're doing and people see that you're fully engaged in the, in the company. The worst the worst thing is that you get a co-op student. Yes, you, you're not paying them a lot, but they're not really engaged. They're, they're just there to spend the time and earn your money. So um, yeah, they want to see your your willingness to learn and your your due diligence, right? So um, yeah, at the time I, at that company, I was dragged in to do a lot of different projects and I learned many, many different things um, in engineering. And uh, yeah, that's where that's where I really went above and beyond my job description and then realize in those f- brief four months, I already did a lot more than what I did, you know, in eight months in a previous company. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of luck too. You want to meet the right supervisors, people who really understand the perspective of being a student um, and then uh, really putting your all um, into the job. Um, you're there to learn, but also if, you, if you're able to deliver on some stuff, it'll be super impressive on your portfolio. Yeah. And I think we talked about this too earlier. It's like you mentioned that you were, you prefer to be an introvert most of the time. Uh, I mm-hmm. do as well. And I was wondering, because when I started my first job a few weeks ago, it was like difficult because I felt like I wasn't doing enough uh, during like the mm-hmm. hours. And I felt like I was kind of, you know, cheating them of their money, if that made sense. Mm-hmm. And for me, mm-hmm. it was difficult. One of the difficult things was like asking for work or like reaching out and mm-hmm. trying to figure out if there was more I could do. Um, and mm-hmm. it took me a while uh, it took me actually like one of the supervisors to do a check-in with me for me to actually say, it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, I, I kind of feel like I'm not doing enough. Like, is there something mm-hmm. else I could do? So it took me like somebody else to reach out to me for being able to overcome that fear. I was wondering for you, did you mm-hmm. have any of those fears or challenges that you had to overcome? Mm-hmm. Yes. I actually, for me personally, I, I never actually asked for work, even though, even though I feel like I have time on my hands, I never asked for work because um, that's sort of like a, a pull, a pull system, right? You're trying to pull in uh, some attention from your supervisor, or you're, you're pulling in more work, and people think that um, perhaps I don't know you're you're spending your time doing other stuff, or or they're not giving you enough, and then they start assigning you random things, and so there's a danger of that, right? Like other teams or other managers might come in and start asking you for to do stuff and and you get you, you get sort of sidetrack of what you're there to do um i'd like to do the push method so i'd like to get creative um, and really think about what i can deliver uh, for the company so push it onto them if i have any ideas to really pitch it to them um, and it's different in different industries um i i can't really speak for you jesse but for engineering, like there's always a project that you can do, whether it's an improvement project or, um, or you know, a group activity with, um, you know, the different technicians or your different team members. Um, it doesn't even have to be like uh, work related, maybe, but um, you really want to understand um, what it's like in that ecosystem of, a, of, of the corporate world. So um, you have to push yourself to think about what are the different opportunities that you can pursue and then pitch it to your supervisor instead of asking for more work? Cause that, cause then people start thinking, Oh, like, is he, is he working or is he just slacking off? You know, like people don't know when you're done your work. So I always like to just get creative, take the initiative to come up with something and then pitch it. And then that gives people that, that, uh, that impression that you, 
could use more work and but you're taking that initiative right does that make sense so instead of just asking for work you're 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 giving that notion that you need more work but you've taken the initiative to come up with something i think that's a really good way of putting a really insightful piece of advice uh, i think it correlates with a lot of you know i don't want to say generic but sort of generalized advice that people give out usually it's like you know show your value or you know like be proactive but i think the way you put it as like the push method is much more more applicable to students especially right because it really mm-hmm. draws in a more specific idea of what you should be doing instead of giving out gen- mm-hmm. generic advice so i think that's really good i don't think mm-hmm. anyone's ever given like that piece of advice to me um mm-hmm. and so that's insightful so not being able to sort of because you're right like i think after asking for more work it seems like they sort of like pushing on a bit more than i can handle and then the challenge yeah. comes that you know one day or like they might push on too many and you're taking on too many projects at a time exactly so that's a good yeah definitely like speaking from experience right i've i've tried the the poll method hey i've done everything you told me to i'm a super fast worker uh give me more work and then they start giving you random miscellaneous work and then they tell their other managers that you're free and then they can take you for what and you get sidetracked right you don't meet your co-op objectives of what what you're there to learn um and so yeah, definitely do more research, right? Like maybe look at other job descriptions, see what other companies are hiring the same uh, job for, what they have to deliver, and then pitch it to your boss, right? Um, you know, sometimes I've I've just sat down and typed a one-page proposal of what I want to do and just to communicate my ideas. And it's like completely irrelevant. Like my supervisor doesn't want to pursue it at all, but it showed that I was proactive, right? Um, showed that I took the initiative and it gave the notion that I needed more work. So it's sort of like a win-win at the end of the day, even though your idea probably they couldn't move ahead with it, right? So um, yeah, definitely try that. I think, okay, moving on to the next few questions. Uh, the mm-hmm. big one was, were there any issues that you fa- that you faced so far in your career? And if so, what were they? Yeah, I, I personally, I've been pretty privileged um, not to face any major issues. Um, I think on a personal level, there there are confidence issues sometimes, especially as a co-op or a new grad. Um, you know, you're really proud to to get that engineering degree or whatever you're studying uh, for our listeners. Um, and you go out to the workforce and you realize, wow, like school didn't teach you anything and you really don't know what you don't know. And um, you really face that uh, confidence issue where, you know, you start wondering, whether you even tried hard enough at school or you picked the right thing to learn um, and people will start stereotyping, especially as an engineer too. Like um, there's always that stereotype that um, we should be really hands-on or, uh, you know, we should be able to build things um, on the spot and put together a prototype. Like, yeah, we get trained in that, but it's not everyone's forte too. Like for me personally, I always, always been really interested in the people aspect, right? Like um, dealing with relationships, change management, um, project management is a, is a lot of like teams, managing teams and people as well. And those have been my strong forte, um, taking responsibility for planning and scheduling and all of that. And sometimes, uh, you know, people just expect you to, to, to be really hands-on and know how to fix something or build something on the spot. And um, it really hurts your confidence. Um, but, 
I think it, what's really good is that you have to set good expectations for yourself and be realistic, be pragmatic. I think a, a lot of engineers need to learn to be pragmatic um, about their goals and things move slowly and that's okay. Um, but we just have to do whatever we can at the time, do the best we can at the time um, to achieve our goals in the long run. So um, definitely confidence issues personally. And um, uh, I think a little bit more relatable to your show uh, Jesse is um, being uh, a person of color, uh, being an Asian um, in the field, uh, especially working at some companies where um, it's more um, you know, Caucasian people um, in in a field where it's uh, more blue collar and um, more tough, right? Like you, uh, there's a lot of technicians that um, have gone through the test of time and they've done a lot of um, different difficult projects and um, you, they see you, you know, Asian guy uh, calls himself an engineering grad, doesn't know anything, doesn't know about the culture as their culture as well. And so having to earn people's trust and build that relationship from someone who's skeptical of you is a very, very difficult thing, but it's a challenge that I really enjoy. Um, Part of what's nice uh, of the companies that I've been through is that um, there's really there wasn't really any extremes of um, say like stereotypes or um, you know even racism, but there are times where I felt like I had to prove myself right, and that's that's the beauty of being in those situations. You come out stronger, and um, you you push back at some of the the things people say uh, to you. And um, you just work your hardest and you always remember that it's a working relationship. So um, people help you and you help them as well. So you got to put yourself out there. Take that first step. Um, don't let fear or self-doubt again stop you from reaching out to other people. And then you start to build that trust and relationship. So there were challenges um, in terms of uh, meeting and working with people that are very, very different from me. But I, I'm lucky to say that I've come out stronger. Mm-hmm from that yeah i think the the idea of like relationship building and like uh trust building and people skills Mm -hmm. isn't just i guess applicable to the engineering field too right it's something that we do quite often when we're hosting podcast guests uh quite often in our i guess social lives as well and for fear of not sounding a fear of sounding too mainstream i guess or um republishing like the same thoughts that people give out i was wondering for you calvin like were there any times where you tried building a relationship or building trust and it just didn't go as planned or it failed completely? And what did you learn from them? Yeah, I remember uh, I was a co-op student and we had to implement uh, an improvement project. So improvement projects are basically a change in the way people have done things for the better. And so you could imagine somebody who's been, who's a student, who's been in a company for say three months um, trying to implement a change in somebody's work um, for people that have been there for 30 years right so um, there's there's a lot of pushback and attitude that I got and actually I I, I got a bit uh, and actually I was yelled at at the time too um, by a particular uh, co-worker who just had his frustrations boil over he was super loud, you know, he was waving his arms uh, and saying how these, you know, these changes are really pathetic, you know, they, they, they're they not relatable. And so 
in and I think a lot of people who are in customer service they get a lot asked they get asked um, this question really frequently too is how to deal with people that are berating you or, or or people that are unhappy and I always like to think of it as a no blame environment so first of all you shouldn't blame the other person for their emotions whether they're you know frustrated angry sad or whatever um, because it's not their fault that um, there's an issue that's not resolved right so uh, something must be wrong for them to be unhappy you can say they're stubborn, but there must be something they're stubborn about, okay? So you have to think about it in terms of the situation, not the person. But also, no blame is reversed. Um, the other person is not blaming you, okay? So you can't you can't think of it as it's a personal attack. A lot of people um, get scared when they get pushback is because they think it's a personal attack. Remember, think of it as a no-blame environment. And then at that time, then it's not personal anymore. It's just situational. So I, you know, at the moment, I just said like, hey, you know, we've worked on this project for weeks now. We've gone through this process together. Um, I'm just doing my job here to implement and try to sustain these changes. If you're not happy with it, like you can go to my supervisor. I, I And I said, I understand what your frustrations are, but these are the benefits of these changes. So um, you take that personal element out of it because at the end of the day, it's just work, right? It's just work. So um, focus on the situation, focus on the issues, not the person. Right. I think that you you put it you put it quite, I guess, right on the mark here. It's a lot of the times, especially kids too, like students, have no idea how to handle situations where they're getting berated or they're getting, you know, very critically targeted in a sense. Because school mm-hmm. doesn't provide that environment, right? School is extremely safe as it can be, yes. as it tries to be, as well as it provides a lot of safety nets to sort of curb or avoid that sort of interactions between people, right? And in the workplace, mm-hmm. there isn't that safety net that the school provides, right? So oftentimes when gra- mm-hmm. new grads are thrown into the work f- field, um, they don't have that experience or that understanding of how to handle these situations. So that's really good that you provided that advice where it's like, try to think of it as mainly targeting towards, I guess, the situation rather than targeting towards yourself or another person, right? It's not personal, it's work. I think that's that's a really great way of putting it. Yeah, for sure. You know, things that are personal to me might be just uh, my family and the closest people in my life. You know, everything else is really situation. And this is in life too, right? You go, go out to the grocery store, you got this really rude uh, stranger, um, people, you know, being really mean or rude, uh, being really mean to you. Um, it's just life, you know, it's just a situation. You just got to get up. You've got to pull yourself out of that situation. You can't dig yourself too deep of a hole uh, in your own mind. So yeah, always remember what's important in life. All right, Calvin. Now, I guess we'll shift the conversation again towards a more generic Mm -hmm. sense where to the future engineering students who are listening to this podcast right now, you know, it can either Mm -hmm. be high school students looking to go into an engineering program at university or just mm-hmm. current university students studying engineering, what final mm-hmm. piece of advice would you give for them? I would say work on your interpersonal slash soft. People don't like to use soft anymore. Um, maybe uh, I hear a new term called enterprise skills. And I say that because it's always sort of been a pros and pro and con thing for me. Like I, I pride myself in someone who has a, I think I, my strengths are in my personal skills. Um, 
I, I work really well with people. I understand how to build a relationship, how to, you know, manage a conflict and so on. Um, and in turn, I'm weaker on the technical side of engineering. I've always liked it, but it doesn't mean that I'm naturally good at it. Um, and I've always had confidence issues, right? I've asked my supervisor, hey, like, you know, I was sort of weak on that, like, technical project. Um, is that going to be an issue when I graduate and become an engineer? And they've always told me, no, like, you'll be surprised at how many people lack the soft skills and the interpersonal skills. I've never really truly believed that until um, until I did more co-ops. And then now my new job where I realized that, like, I really, really suck at my technical skills. But I meet my objectives and I get I get done. I get what I want done um, by relying on people. I ask the questions and I be there for other people. I help them with their jobs until that day where I need them for their help. And then they help me back. They answer my questions and they support my work. And then that's where your relationships develop. And so, um, yes, like technical knowledge and technical skills, like that's what, that's what looks good on your resume. Like that's what's going to get you hired. If you're a natural at something, like congratulations, you're going to do really well. But I feel like your soft skills and your interpersonal skills are what's going to make and break you. Like if you're just lacking in um, a technical skill, your interpersonal skill is going to push you upwards and it's going to help you get there, right? And that, that's that been my experience so far. So um, I think a lot of engineers, they, they know their strengths, you know, good with numbers, um, good with design or you're doing you you good with cat software or, or you're with your hands right prototyping with hand tools and so on um, but a lot of people forget about the soft skills and interpersonal skills and you you need to be able to practice it and uh, communicate that like how do you tell people you're good at how do you how do you tell people that you're a good team player people everyone says oh I'm a good team player I work well in team I'm a leader but how do you show that that's different from everyone else so yeah, definitely think about that uh, as you're going through engineering. Right. I completely agree with you. It's like technical skills. They look good. They may get your foot in the door, but as you put it, like soft skills or I believe what you say, and, and enterprise skills? Was enterprise it? skills, yeah. Um, those are the ones that I think that exemplify your own characteristics and your own skill traits, right? Those are the ones that once you're in the door, you're able to use those skills to further you know, push yourself towards greater heights, right? Yeah, I think a lot of like leaders or people in the C-suites um, of the world's greatest companies, they're, they're good at what they're doing, whether it be business or operations, engineering, and so on. They need to understand the basics, the technical side, but what they're really good at, what they're put in that position for are for their enterprise skills, understanding people, understanding strategy, planning, organizational skills, communication skills. Uh, that's what differentiates them and like a senior director of, you know, whatever department. Right. And as a final question, Calvin, what are your hopes for the future? And it can range from anything from your own personal life uh, to society or to just the future engineers of the world. Yeah. Uh, good question, Jesse. It's a really deep question. And I can, I can give you a personal one and also for the society. Uh, for me personally, I, I'd like to be more connected uh, with the people around me. Um, I feel like going through engineering, one of the things is that, and, and what sucks is that I, I don't party much, but uh, uh, I feel like I didn't meet as many people 
as I have wanted to when I was going through engineering. And I always think back to my high school years where, you know, you go on a field trip with a bunch of friends or you're going to, you went on an airplane and you flew to another country for a field trip, right? As a class. And it was a really fun time, really, really meaningful and fun memories in high school. And I felt like um, I wanted to create more of that um, as I was going through uh, university so it was something that I wish if I like if I were to go back I, I wanted to get out of the classroom more and do more of that um, so anyway moving forward um, I want to create more meaningful experiences for myself and f- with the people around me um, I can't really tell you what it is right now again sort of I sort of like to go with the flow you know maybe this podcast will take me somewhere or maybe my job will take me somewhere um, whatever it may be I think I personally, like my definition of success has started to change, right? It used to be going to a prestigious school or, you know, working for a big name company, earn lots of money. But now it's, now it's like being able to spend time with my family uh, where they're all healthy, um, have that freedom to do whatever I want in my own spare time. So that those are the kind of things where that I wish that I will be able to work towards. Um, now for society, um, definitely I feel like uh, we need to be, uh, kind to each other. I feel like um, there's a lot of uh, discourse online that's creating a lot of um, uh, a lot of polarized views and uh, opinions. And even though I think that like internet is a vehicle for communication and discussions, I feel like it creates a lot of um, you know distrust in 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 everyone and and what we're trying to say, what we're thinking. And I hope we get back to a point where uh, it's the conversations are more genuine and the relationships are, are real and that we're able to build a stronger world and community together. And hopefully this pandemic, and if there ever was a silver lining is that we're, we're able to connect with each other now more conveniently than ever. So hopefully we're get, we'll, we'll be able to get back on track in terms of um, that global relationship. And I think with that, uh, we'll get a lot of great things done uh, as a humankind. Right. I completely agree with you. That was beautiful. I think for me personally too, I, I would like to work on a lot of more connection building with my the people around me, right? I think for society mm-hmm. as well, it's, it's difficult. It's been difficult because everyone's, I think, has been so isolated lately, not just, you know, yeah. over the internet, but physically as well, right? Because of the pandemic. That it would be mm-hmm. nice to see, you know, afterwards, once everyone gets their vaccine and once the world settles down, I, I guess it, the best it can, that we all try our best to educate each other more, sort of connect with each other more and sort of learn from what we have given to hatred, right? Sort of try to fix yeah, all, the, sure. all the mistakes that we've made and try to pursue a better world. Yeah, for sure. And there's a lot of hope in, in young people in our generation. And so, yeah, it's it's really inspiring to talk to so many different people, including yourself, Jesse. Um, you have a lot of great views on your own podcast. So, uh, you know, I really look forward to some of the conversations and the content that you create. It's a, it's a good window to what kind of a generation we are. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's going to be exciting to listen to your new episodes for season two on the Nov Experience, Calvin. And speaking of which, mm-hmm. how can people contact you or find information about your podcast? What are your socials? Yeah. And to, you know, to the listeners, I'm always, always up to, you know, have a conversation, whether it's online messaging or meeting you. 
or it used to be coffee chats now it's virtual i love meeting new people so definitely like reach out i don't have a public personal account but definitely reach out on linkedin if you want to shoot me a personal like longer message through email you can reach out to the uncooked rice show through jesse and he can contact me from there um if you want to check out my podcast the novice experience uh we're on social media um the handles at the novice exp uh that's the novice exp and uh we're everywhere on uh your favorite music streaming software so you know apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and uh and on youtube as well so definitely go check it out and give me some feedback yes uh check out my episode on calvin's podcast and after yeah. all that calvin thank you so much for taking the time to become on my show it's been an absolute pleasure your advice was great and i'm sure a lot of engineering students will benefit from it Thank you, Jesse. It's always great to have a conversation with you. You're such a insightful man and a person who's really kind and, and empathetic as well. So yeah, it's really nice to, to meet you. Yeah, it's great. Thanks again, Calvin. Thank you.